I'm John Brandian, professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Hey, Carl, thanks for joining us around our kitchen table today for the comedian next door. Uh, my name's John. This is my my daughter and co-host. Hi. Amanda, the peaches. This is going to be one of those days where Carl is going to be remiss not to have video of this episode. Why is that? Because, Peach? <laughs> because Why? Cammie, my oldest daughter, stole the usual headphones that we use to do her homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And so instead, <laughs> Grandpa gets the Elsa headphones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's a reason why she doesn't like the Elsa headphones. I know what that reason is. Yes, you're very quickly learning. It's not because it's not because they're not nice to look at. It's not because they're lacking in style. Yeah, if flair. I was going to if you were to see us, you know, face to face head to head, <laughs> my headphones are much more interesting and compelling than yours. But uh, but mine are technically the quality is lacking. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. They I think only one side really works. It is. It's only one. I can hear you pretty well out of my right ear, but my <laughs> left ear, it's like I've. It's like I shoved a, a towel in my left ear. I hope Cammy comes downstairs and sees this <laughs> at some point. Plus, they don't quite fit. They yeah. they don't. They're made for a nine year old girl's head, and yeah. and I am neither nine nor a girl, so they don't fit. Yeah, but it's. But it's a good statement, though. Are you going to be able to it's look at me while we statement. while we talk? Or are you going to have to avert your eyes? I'm in pretty order to used to somebody wearing the Elsa headphones, so <laughs> okay. I see them all the time. All right, uh, it's time for mail. So, <gasps> were you prepared for that? I was drinking coffee. I know that's why. I'm, I'm, oh wait, I almost did one of the mom cast sound sound effects. That wouldn't have been loud. good. Get with the very simple words. You've got mail. Woohoo! Hi, I blame the peaches for the following story. Oh, boy. She's the one who introduced me to the What Have You podcast. I was listening to What Have You, which is Rachel Jenkovic and and Becca, right? Rachel and Jekka. Rachel (laughs) and Becca. Rachel and Becca are uh, Becca Merkel. They're sisters. Yeah, they're sisters. Yeah. I was listening to What Have You in the car with my kids when my four-year-old shouts, Mom, is this the one they call us Carl? (laughs) I said, no. He replies, well, why are you not listening to the one that calls us Carl? (laughs) P.S. Sorry, I spelled Carl wrong, but I can't remember the right way. Carla. Yes. And actually, you didn't spell it exactly the way that we spell it, but it's it's poorly spelled enough correct. to where I, I get what you're trying to do. It's so. correct in that it's spelled wrong. Right. So, and thanks for that story. That's, that's the important that's part. That's great. Well, why were you not listening to the podcast where they call you Carl? I like what have you, and <laughs> and I don't listen to it often. I'll admit, like, I, just my lifestyle does not allow me to listen to many podcasts other than. 
I have to skip through our own so that I can write the description for it every week. Mm-hmm. And that takes up even more time than I would like to listen to podcasts. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I did listen to an episode of what have you. They're, they're funny. They're, they're very funny. They very much remind me of me and Tabby. Right. And because they're sisters yeah. and, and the chemistry is just, it's just right. different. You can they're tell sisters. they talk to each other the rest of the week too. All and that's just a little clip of the, right. of one of their conversations. But there was this one, um, this one episode I heard where they were discussing the unlikelihood of evolution mm-hmm. and how like scientists will bend over backwards to explain stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Like they found this cave that was supposedly dated in some, you know, prehistoric, I don't know what era it was, it was supposed to have come from, but then in it, they found all of these human remains, these skeletons from a different era, from multiple different eras. If I remember correctly, I probably get the details a little bit wrong, but, but archeologically it didn't make sense. And so then Becca and Rachel were like talking about what the explanation for that could be, <laughs> which is how you make comedy. Of, yeah. You start asking questions. You like, ask questions and why? then you answer those questions. Why are yeah. there caves with bodies from multiple different, you know, eras, millions of years apart or something like that? Right. And, and I think it was Rachel who, who posited, well, maybe it was somebody else's like prehistoric museum. And then they both just <laughs> cracked up, like imagining some caveman somewhere was dragging, collecting cadavers. Dragging <laughs> other earlier cavemen into his cave display for display them, purposes. Yeah. <laughs> As a museum. Thinking to himself, I can't wait till we invent plexiglass and like, we'll have some place to put these. They were like, man, that's really macabre. And then that just made them laugh even harder. Like, gosh. That's so funny. A museum of dead cavemen yeah. curated by other cavemen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I liked it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, all right. Wait, do you have another letter? I do. Do we have to play a different sound every time? Because I actually have three letters this time. We don't is, have is to, but since you asked, me? now I feel like. <laughs> okay. John, I am writing to confirm that Amanda is correct. Yes! That young, at least youngish, people are looking for a traditional church with sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. That was what you posited a couple of weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, that you you said that people are basically sick of the of the uh, celebrity. Fog machines. Yeah, the yeah. fog machines. Yeah. My wife and I are completely fed up with church shopping. We hate We hate all the shiny things meant to grab our attention, including, but not limited to, smoke machines, vapid worship, self-help sermons, and skinny jeans. Mm -hmm. Uh, That type of church was largely what my upbringing uh, consisted of. Thanks Thanks be to God for leading me to something better for me and my family. I am so thankful to the Lord for bringing me to Reformed Theology using a very long um, bout with doubt. Bout with doubt. <laughs> That's a great name for a band. I did. I actually had to read that a couple times. Um, bout with doubt. Yeah. Uh, this led me to get my family going to church, and I wanted that small but strong local church. Apparently, they are hard to find, so we had to expand our definition of local and now drive 35-plus minutes to get to church. Mm. Um There is more to the story, which I will gladly share at the FLF conference coming up. Insert plug here. All right. We'll see you there, Carl. Are you going to insert the plug? Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to insert the plug. I I thought he was going to insert the plug. No, he he left. It says insert plug here. Oh, okay. So that's your 
job. Details at flfnetwork.com. Actually, I think early bird registration ended like yesterday. For the so day we're before. inserting the plug too late. You can still register. You can still register. You just don't get the discount. But you waited too long. Yeah. And so now you're going to pay an extra few bucks to be there, but it's worth it. Uh, I just wanted to affirm Amanda, since she was probably wrecked from not quickly, from you not <laughs> quickly agreeing with her opinion. You know how I get. I know. So he wanted to affirm you and lift you out of the funk that he assumed you had <laughs> fallen into because I was less than... I appreciate uh, it, Carl. Quick. Also, goodwill to Colin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody else somebody else sent that. I think it was on social media. Now I can't remember. Maybe in Telegram. I think somebody in our Telegram group wished goodwill to Colin a couple of days after the the podcast episode came out. And I read it to him and he got this like silly little grin on his face. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. He totally remembered what I was talking about. Uh-huh. It's not like I had to be like, hey, remember when you said that? You said goodwill. No, he knew and he felt he felt seen. <laughs> I think goodwill to you might become a thing that uh, might become one of our regular salutations here. Colin is the best. Goodwill to you. And he's been doing so well with his school the last, we've done two weeks now because we were preparing for he's the Fight Lab into East a little conference. scholar. Yeah, we, we knew we were going to have to take a couple of breaks this fall, a lot more breaks than usual. So we started way early and he's just been real, real champion about it. Uh, and this is my final thing. This, oh, this is on. actually a comment from... Hey, you know what? Social- this is all your mail. There you go. This is a uh, conversation from one of our social media outlets. I don't remember exactly which one. doesn't matter. Um, but I posted something about some other topic. I don't even remember what it was, but I was getting some criticism. And typical for a lot of people who, who will troll you, they're not, really, they're not really on topic. They're not really, they're not really engaging with what the topic is they're basically just trying to make personal insults yeah and one of the one of my favorite insults is you john brandon as a christian or as a comedian are just not funny and especially when it comes from people who i know have probably never seen my act yeah but that got blown (laughs) off the internet though that whole conversation did it yeah because wasn't that underneath the one on the um purple for parents yeah, group. yeah, that was it. And we somehow got blocked from that group. Yeah, and, and still I, are. I think Facebook is up doing something funky. It's doing some fun, some funky business, funny, funny business. Funny, I, I meant to say funky. monkey business and funny business, and it came out funky business. That works. Um, yeah, it was about purple for parents. Yep. And so, if here's here's the comment: If you could record the crickets from your stand-up sets, I think it might help ease years of insomnia for generations to come. Did you see that comment? I saw it before it got blown off the okay. internet. And so I responded, I mean, you're obviously an amateur, so let me help you out. Crickets are the most generic insult you can throw at a comedian. The second weakest insult is, quote, cure for insomnia. You'll need to dig deeper and find something specific to me that will cause emotional damage. It needs to be something that I'm sensitive about. It should be personal. My best friends are comedians who are expert insulters, so the bar is set very high. If you haven't figured out what just happened, I'm willing to critique your response. You should have given him our email address, nextdoor at johnbrainian.com. Nextdoor at johnbrainian.com if you would like to take a shot at insulting me. But I'm telling you, it has to be personal and it has to be specific to me. You can't just say, crickets and uh, insomnia. It's like, come on. Crickets are so generic. Crickets are so done that we actually have pre-programmed crickets on our soundboard. 
Yeah. I didn't even have to put those on there. Right. It is so, it is so cliche yeah. that it's actually programmed into our soundboard. Default. Out of the box. Yeah. That is how generic and unimaginative that insult is. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the what I thought was the funniest part about that, though, is that one one thing trolls also do, besides just say really generic insults is they also click the laugh react laugh emojis so right. he tells you you're not funny in a thread where literally 12 other atheist trolls were laughing we're laugh reacting you right. <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh i actually took a screenshot of right. all the laugh reacts and responded to that guy and was like you might need to tell the other trolls we're going with the he's not funny one right because i don't think they got the memo <laughs> tell tell your friends this one's not funny. Because Do not laugh at him. Usually the insult is to laugh at a person, but then they immediately realize you're a comedian. And oh, no. Like, what do we do? Yeah. It like short circuits their plan. Right. <laughs> so what do you do? How, how, can we, how can we help somebody out? If they're, if they're trying to use just emojis to... Oh, just emojis? Yeah, if you just want that. Well... I'm not going to help them figure out which of five emojis to use Well, I'm trying to figure out for myself which emoji if, is going to hurt my feelings. If or, I were going to be talking to a comedian and trying to, you know, play... No, me. If you're going to insult, insult me with an emoji... No, 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 no. See, you're saying insult. And I'm I'm saying my, my plan would be to intentionally not do anything insulting. To start being on the same team all of a sudden. Like, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to... I'm going to um, say kind things about you. Kind of like this morning when you posted about Beth Moore on Facebook. I did. And you were like really scathing and, you know, and blunt. And so I just went down in the section. Actually, after you're like, for the love of God, stop dividing the church over your own personal feelings. I was just using her quotes. I know. I know. you. That's why it was scathing because she was being really scathing toward people who don't wear masks. Oh, and I so see. you just flipped okay. the script and you're like, you know, here, look at yourself. I just fired her words back at her. You're being divisive for the love of God. You know, stop dividing the church. And I just went down in the comment section. I said, I do like her hair, though. <laughs> did you? <laughs> yes. It's there. You can go look at it. I mean, did you really like her hair? I really did. That's what makes it so Because I don't remember. Her hair was, was all, it almost looked like it wasn't even done. It was right. like a very casual. Right, it was like casual, a messy bun. It, yeah. was, it was curled in the front and then kind and of. you like that? I thought it was, it was nice. It wasn't too done. Oh, look, there's Cami with the headphones. Hi, Cami. What do you hey, think of these headphones? Come over here, Cami. Talk in this purple <laughs> mic and give one word to describe Grandpa wearing Elsa To describe Elsa Grandpa's Elsa headphones. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> of all the words she could have said, I'm actually happy with that one. I'm, I'm I might have I might have gone with pathetic and see that's the thing. That's the difference between your jaded adultism and her genuinely <laughs> sympathetic and beautiful childish perspective he didn't want to take the, the my 10 year old grandmother you. says pretty grandmother or granddaughter <laughs> i don't have a 10 year old grandmother <laughs> um so okay so if you've got if you've got good hair then that counts for something no I, what i'm saying is what makes something sad and pathetic is when an adult is trying to insult another adult i don't personally think that that's i think that immediately takes your your chance of winning the conversation way 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 down i think that when you are unresponsive toward the insults 
it's much more uh, respectable to me. Like I, oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I wouldn't actually try to take a, a swipe or a punch because that would just that would just make me look desperate. Right. So, and the tr- the harder you swing. The, the sadder the whole thing becomes. So should I have done that rather than the response that I wrote? Should I have made some sort of a compliment about? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was not necessarily impressed with that exchange. The whole mm. thing was about a teacher who's in our area who is now identifying as mixed. Oh, I thought we were still talking about Beth Moore. We, I know, I know. But, but you were talking, then you said that the, uh, the, you brought up that comment about how you're not funny, which came from mm. the post about the teacher who doesn't think that, she is male or female. She teaches kindergarten now right. and is asking all of the students to call her Mix. Mix. M-X, period, which instead of Mr. Which we didn't talk about on the podcast. We haven't, which is why I'm bringing that up because mm. in the middle of that conversation, which is clearly ridiculous and insane, they're going to come and talk to you about how you're not funny. And I felt like that was just a big distraction, and I would not have taken that opportunity to try to teach them how to be insulting because I think... First of all, you're setting them up for an impossible challenge. They it can't was a, do it. It. Be, uh, it was a distraction. And it was a distract. It was a distraction from the fact that the comedy was right there in a kindergarten teacher teaching five-year-olds how to say a made-up word to make her feel better. Like, mix whatever. Right. Call me Mix Jones. Mix Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. It was Mix Cage. That's right? what I probably would have said. Uh, yeah, it was Mix Cage. Um, I probably would have said, "You're right." Listen, what's, I know that you're trying hilarious. to distract from the comedy that's taking place here in the comment thread with a woman teaching children to call her mix, but it's not going to work. I'm still laughing about that, you know, or whatever. All right, that's fair. But I'm I'm willing to let that's Carl fair. weigh in. Carl, you can email us at nextdoor at johnbrandon.com and tell us how you would try to handle that situation. All that Carl's going to do is write in and talk about how he agrees with you. That's why I'm inviting him to email. (laughs) That's all all Carl ever does. Just wanted to write and let you know that Peaches is absolutely correct. (laughs) I'm not stupid. I know where my allies are. (laughs) Go ahead and write in again, Carl, and tell me that I'm right. (laughs) I welcome all emails when I know full well they're going to be positive. About me. (laughs) Help me pile on my dad. Uh, all right, what now? Well, I have a article that I was going to talk about last week, and... I think I want to talk about um, oh. that whole mix thing with Juwan and Melody, which, by the way, Carl, if you're listening to this, um, it's Monday, and we're going to have a house guest episode on Wednesday with our friends... That's our prediction anyway, Lord willing. Lord willing. They're going to be here in just a couple of hours. Joanna Melody DeVivo are going to be here yeah. at our house. So, so listen for that. Pay it, and if you don't see it or if if we didn't end up recording, you can email dad they, and they tell play him in the band with They play in the band called Casting Crowns. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. So, so I'm plugging that because, yeah, hopefully it works out. And then you can go and listen to that conversation, which is going to come out on Wednesday. Um, and we can talk about education because they homeschool their kids. I homeschool my kids. And um, this this situation with the kindergarten teacher literally happened uh, like 40 minutes away from where we live here. So. Um, okay, so this is going to take, take a few minutes to kind of unpack. And so I, I want to 
hit the highlights as best I can because it was a super long article. But the gist of it is it was written by a person who is a comedian that is not a Christian. All right, so this was written from a, from a perspective that is not a Christian perspective. And that's the reason I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, it's written about a comedian named uh, Shanti Marastika, Marastika or something like that. And the article starts out by saying, if you've never heard of Shanti Marastika, basically, uh, you're not alone. Nobody else has either. But apparently this person is a trans or LGBTQ or bi or so. It, it, it identifies as some sort that of... That makes a difference. Identifies as some being... Hand me that water, please. Who is a different... Thank you. They identify as gender fluid or something or other. I'm not sure. I, I, I get confused when people fall into that category because I'm never sure exactly what I'm supposed to call them. Um, but anyway, this person was also a comedian up in Canada and did a show with the author of this article, that was, which was in Quillet, and this guy has apparently been doing some trans jokes, or he has a couple of trans jokes in his set that are very innocuous. They're not, they're not slamming transgender people. It's basically, hey, you know, it's funny if transgender people do this sort of whatever. He said he's been doing the jokes for a long time. Again, not a Christian person, but he's been doing the jokes for a long time, never had any problem with them. He's on the bill with this Shanti uh, Maristika, who basically wrote him up and was offended by his, you know, aggressive, oppressive, mm -hmm. anti-trans material. Mm -hmm. And according to the guy, that's kind of the, that's kind of this person's claim to fame. They, right. They've become a stand-up comedian, quote-unquote, who nobody ever has ever heard of. They don't have a following. They don't have, like, mm -hmm. you go to look for this person on social media and whatever, nobody's heard of their, of this person and yet they use their their quote-unquote platform to basically get other comics canceled right. because of their so whatever and so from the article it says uh billen that's the guy's name i forget his first name but billen received private messages expressing support including from members of the queer community in winnipeg which is uh, maristika's hometown telling him that this kind of behavior was typical of Maristika, and that he had done nothing wrong. In public, however, the silence was deafening. According to Billen, none of his fellow comedians stood up to defend his character. It was the cowardice of his friends and colleagues that hurt most, he later told me. Um, there are lessons here that go well beyond comedy. While the vast majority of my readers, even the Canadian ones, have never heard of Maristika or Rossum, that was another comedian that they mentioned or the rest of her clique the examples i discussed herein show how in the current milieu tiny groups of ideological enforcers can poison an entire artistic subculture despite these enforcers lack of any real commercial success or name recognition among the general public right and i think that's i, I think there's something important being said here again by a person who's not a christian person right. this is not a person claiming religious persecution or, or whatever this is a guy who for all intents and purposes doesn't have any moral high ground with the person that he is um talking with 
you've got two pagans basically going to war with each other. Right. And he's the one pointing out, he's, he's like saying, this person who is basically nobody in the comedy culture can poison the entire culture, right. can poison the entire art by w- without even having any um, support. With that. She's right. not even rallying any troops. She's just going on record as saying she was offended. And she is actually a male, right? I don't know. If she is calling matter. herself Shanti now, I'm pretty sure that she started out a he. Probably. That's my guess. But, um, but yeah, that's what we call victim culture. Mm-hmm. There's power in just identifying as a victim. And actually, one of the things that um, my sister-in-law Marla is pushing back against this week is mothers. These are just straight white mothers on Instagram in most cases who are now trying to create a culture of rules about what you can and can't ask other mothers. Never ask when they're going to have kids. Never ask if they're trying to have kids. Never, ever, ever ask that question. And Marla's like, there's never a time where it's appropriate to ask another person if they're going to have children. And the woman was like, no, (laughs) never. And so Marla's like, okay. What about meatloaf? Can you ever ask another person if they're going to have meatloaf? Or is that, was that offensive point. She was to like, vegans? why do you get to decide what we can and can't ask? Doesn't the person who's being asked have some responsibility to just not be offended by simple questions? I would say the person bears all of the responsibility yes. to not be offended. But not in this culture. It's just accepted. It has just been decided that the person who is telling the jokes is always the guilty party. The person right. who is asking the questions is always the guilty party. And you can go out on Instagram or on any other social media platform and just declare, hey, that person over there broke my arbitrary rules. And if you identify as a victim because it somehow damaged your psyche when that happened, then yeah, you'll get a bunch of power. And and this person that Marla was talking to was a nobody also, but right. somehow they're managing to get you know, some traction on social media, creating these memes where they just declare, don't ever ask a woman if she's expecting children or if she wants to have children. Just don't. Just don't, because I said. This guy says, uh, it's not the Maristikas that I'm really concerned about here, but rather the larger pattern that they represent. That was a three-year-old child going through the dining room. It sounded like somebody just rolled a cinder block across the floor. He skipped through, but my favorite part was when he looked over at you and grinned like, oh, look, I just did a thing that made you react to me. And then out he went. Uh, I'm, I'm not concerned about Maristika. I'm really concerned. I'm, I'm concerned about the larger pattern that they represent and which may be observed all over the arts world. An artificially constructed, publicly funded hierarchy presided over by a small group of ideologically homogeneous gatekeepers, completely divorced from questions of merit or popular taste. This is a world in which Louis C.K. is a, quote, bad comedian, despite his enormous following because he did bad things, while pre-exile Maristika was a good comedian despite not being funny. Right. By the way, it's homogenous, isn't it? I always say hom- homogeneous. Okay, well, anyway. Yeah, the, that's why so many young people are now identifying as LGBT, by the way. It's crazy. Like in high schools and even in middle schools, it's like one in four kids, 25% would say that they are gender nonconforming mm-hmm. or they're bisexual or they're something. They'll just pick one. 
and they'll identify as part of the LGBT community because right. they know about this hierarchy. Right. They know and, instinctively and sure. it's powerful. And it makes them a good person. Right. It make, by default, they're good people, regardless of how they behave, right. regardless of their talent, regardless of any sort of public display or, or contribution to the welfare of our culture or other people. Just identifying as being part of that group makes them a good person. And... Uh, by extension, anything that you do that upsets that person for any reason makes you a bad person. Right. Right. And they know this instinctively. The kids know instinctively from watching what's going on around them that that's the case. They know that if they want power and if they want to be right and if they want to be a good person, the best bet is to just become one of those, quote, minorities. But as I pointed out, they're not actually... It's, it's getting to the point where they're not just a small subset of the culture anymore. Right. Everybody's identifying as a victim now. Well, this is a, per, you're, we're talking about a, we're talking about the comedy scene, you know, in Canada. And it was, it was a big enough deal that this guy wrote a, a pretty lengthy article about it and apparently got some, got some agreement from other comedians in the scene. And right. if you're, if you're talking about poisoning a scene, this is, this has ripple effects that are, you know, that are far reaching because if you've got people in the, in the open mic scene, obscure uh, backroom comedy rooms where comedy is born um, and they're afraid to speak about particular topics or in front of, or, or for fear of offending certain of these ideological gatekeepers, that's going to, that's going to affect the whole industry. Right. And right. it and, and that includes that the entire industry. You know, every, everything that has to do with comedy all the way up to Saturday night live and movies and right. and specials on on Netflix, all of that is going to be affected by these people. Right. But I don't think the scales have actually tipped yet because the because of the fact that there are atheists or non-Christians who are noticing this and writing about it and mm you know, starting to push against it. I don't necessarily think that we've gone full woke yet. I, I think I we're think, at a crossroads. I don't, think, I don't know how we can gauge that because who knows how many, who knows what material is not being said by the comics that are out there. Who knows, who knows what sort of editing they're doing? Well, I'm paying attention to these articles like the one that you read. Like I'm, there are a lot of people sharing that and and kind of wringing their hands over that that pattern that he's bringing up mm -hmm. and there so there are people who see it happening and they see that it's you know there's a certain power structure in place here right. and um so i think people are paying attention right well and, and i i would agree with that it's it's interesting from the standpoint of he's put his finger on the fact that it's not the majority of people and it feels like the majority, though, when it's happening to you. Right. When you're, when you're getting canceled, because we've been in this storm a couple of times, and it feels like the whole world is in agreement that you're terrible. Right. It feels like, yeah, everybody, it, it must be me, because I'm hearing from everybody else in the universe that what I did and what I said was bad. Right. And it, they have the... Uh, the spell, I guess, that they cast that that really makes it seem like like they're speaking for everybody. Um, 
Right. And then the, the mob gets involved and they come and they, and they play crickets for you. And, uh, <laughs> and it makes you feel like, like you made a mistake. And that's when the temptation is to to apologize because oh I need to I need to tell them I'm sorry and try to get back in their good graces. But by the time that you have upset them, it's already too late. A, a, apology will just suck you further down the drain. Um, so here's here's the last quote that I thought was interesting that I wanted to get out. Uh, one of the problems with political correctness is the degree to which it confuses politeness with morality. And it's generally the people in power who define what's polite and what isn't. Right. And I thought that was a sensational insight. Excuse me while I cough. I literally just said to Marla while she was going through this with the woman who's like, just don't ask the question because I said. Mm -hmm. I was like, these women who are making these arbitrary rules are precisely like the Dear Abbeys of the 2021 year. Like... You know, 20 years ago, you would write in to find out what's the precise or the, the polite way. The polite way to say a thing. To say a thing or do or a thing. How should I question. handle this situation? I have a wedding coming up. When should I send out my invitations? Or, oh, I have this awkward thing that's happening at work. How should I navigate it, How Abby? How should I navigate it and be polite? And I always wondered, why did they care what Abby thought? Why, why was the... Why was there a handful of these, you know, advice columnists who got mm-hmm. to just declare this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't? Mm-hmm. But I said to Marla, that's what they're doing now. They're just out there on social media having their own little personal advice column telling people this is what you should do. <clears throat> never just ask I said. women if they're going to have babies. Mm-hmm. And never ask them if they're going to have meatloaf. I'm just going to mm-hmm. put that out there too. But you're not you're not a middle class white woman. That so is true. You but don't get I have, to be the arbiter of But I have things. opinions about what's polite and what's <laughs> impolite. And as far as I'm concerned, asking about meatloaf is always impolite because meatloaf is terrible. Now, I think being a, a middle-class white woman has always been a very necessary part of filling this role. I think it's almost always been middle-class white women who are like... I don't care what middle-class white women think. Wagging meatloaf their fingers. is terrible, regardless. Who do you picture when you think of like a school marm? Who do you picture? I say school marm. Who do you think of? I always think of a, of a slightly... Uh, past middle age white woman mm-hmm. who's very prim, slim, yep. has a slightly elongated nose. You think of Karen. It's and her Karen. Hair, her hair is up in a bun. It's a mixture of uh, brunette and, and gray yep. in a bun. There's always been a type, and, and we didn't always have the word Karen to describe She's usually it. holding a ruler, too. Right. Right. Because she wants to measure your success with it. Well, she's going to smack you in the forehead with it. If you don't measure up, yes. Yeah, Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, for some reason, we've always had this, like... By the way, did you watch that video that I sent you from the Blues Brothers? Uh, That scene from the Blues Brothers where they're... that's not relevant. That's that's your comedy brain (laughs) skipping around to... Oh, it's so great. (laughs) They go to the nun, she's just whacking them with the ruler. Um, Yeah, anyway... Not not on topic, but no, my my but point funny. is, it's always been it's always been these white women, often church ladies, mm-hmm. who are like, oh, I will take it upon myself to just decide right what what's right and what's wrong, right. But but the but equating politeness with morality, I think is I think he's spot on. That's what they've always done. On that, that the more the more polite you are, then the more the more correct you are. And that's the reason that when they talk, they always have, you know, they have a very now gentle syrupy sort of sweetness about them because that is perceived as polite. And then, right. 
and then it's it's moral. And so to be impolite is by default makes you an immoral person. Right. It's the mean girls saying "love ya" mm-hmm. while they're gossiping about each other behind their backs. Right. But yes, it's the it's well documented. But now that it's exposed, is it going to make any difference? <laughs> That's what I said. I think that it will make a difference. I think the fact that people are talking about it means that we're actually not as bad off as we could be. We're all standing at a crossroads. And then you've got articles like that one calling it out. And so I think people are aware. They're not just, we haven't gone full woke and people are paying attention. So should I write to this guy and tell him that I appreciated the article? Yeah. Okay. You should. I'll do that. And maybe he'll come on the podcast. Okay. You think he will? Probably not. But hey, I've got another thing to read too. (laughs) Were you just saying that because it was polite? It was a nice transition into <laughs> something. Maybe in the pocket. You think we'll probably different. not? Yeah. I'm okay. Just so sunshine up my skirt. I sent this to you the other day, and it's about the Feast of Saint Lawrence, which was apparently three days ago. Yes. Happy Feast of Saint Lawrence, Deacon and Martyr. That's the full name because Catholics love to name things really long titles. Happy Feast of Saint Lawrence, Deacon and Martyr. Deacon and Martyr. So, had you actually heard of him before I sent no, this to you? No, but, but I, I told you that after that thing you sent me, he is now my favorite saint. Okay, so this is from Kendra Tierney, which is the blog master at Catholic All Year. Um, and I first found her because she's got Catholic like... Catholic All Year. She's got like 10 kids or something like that. I sometimes confuse my Catholic blog mistresses, so... She has 10 kids all year, too. She has a lot of kids. They're mm-hmm. all hers. Uh, biologically, and I can't remember if it's nine or ten, but that, I started following. It doesn't her. matter after you get past seven. She has some really no great advice. Even keep counting. She has great advice about like getting kids to sleep, mm-hmm. sleep training kids, and then um, uh, weaning them. And so I always send her stuff to my Wean's friends. Weans a word that always makes me laugh too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it's like to try to have a conversation. He's trying to have workshops to teach more people to do this. To go from, you can always turn my mic down. Here's what we're talking about over here. Rather than let's just go, griping about it, why don't you do something? Let's go to left field. Why don't, and, you, why don't you be proactive and shut my mic off? Let's talk about the word wean for a second. Because we're not <laughs> if really... you keep saying it, it's just going to get worse now. We're it's not just, really trying to wrap this up in the next five minutes. Just go on. Just finish. So... Wean. <laughs> I always send... Her articles to moms when they're like, how do I get my baby to sleep without crying? It's like, you don't. You just let them cry. Like, that's what you have to do. And she is really good for the advice because she's got a bunch of kids and people can't be like, well, what does she know? She doesn't sound very polite. But she also is um, a Catholic. So most of her blog is dedicated to helping people recognize all the great many feasts that they have throughout Mm -hmm. the year. So here's what she says about St. Lawrence. There is a point to this. I know there is. Uh, He was born in the third century in Spain traveled to Rome and was named the youngest of the city's seven deacons. And during the persecution of Christians, he was ordered by the Roman emperor Valerian, the local prefect. um, Oh, wait. He was ordered by the Roman emperor Valerian, the local prefect, if he would turn over the treasures of the church. Right. Oh, to spare his life. Sorry. That's where I missed it. Right. So they were going to kill him unless he turned over whatever was in the church. The treasures. Yeah. The treasure. So he would spare his life if he turned over the treasures. Lawrence spent three days entrusting church heirlooms to the community. So he's hiding them. Mm -hmm. And then presented a group of widows and orphans and the poor to the prefect as the true treasures of the church. Right. Okay. So that was a little thumb, you know. Yeah. It was like, oh, sure. Here's, Here's our real treasures. All of these beloved widows and orphans. Right. 
And the prefect was so angry that rather than behead Lawrence as <laughs> he, he didn't had, think that was beautiful. <laughs> rather than behead Lawrence as he had the other Christians, he had a large gridiron prepared with red hot coals beneath it. So Lawrence, in the midst of his physical agony just before his death, cheerfully declared, "You'd better turn me over. I'm done on this side." That is a is a person who has mastered yeah uh, the use of comedy. So. He is, this is true, this is not a joke, he is now the patron saint of cooks for the fact that he was cooked, <laughs> and he is the patron saint of, of comedians yeah. for the excellent sense of humor he displayed about the whole ordeal. Oh, but there's something <laughs> There's something funny about making him the patron saint of cooks, right, and because think, he himself was cooked. Right, and I think they figure that he would appreciate that. He like, probably would. He wouldn't yeah. have been offended by becoming the patron saint. Patron saint of cooks. The patron saint of pan-fried steak. <laughs> so, oh, as, as awful as that is, we, we have talked about that on this podcast and we'll continue to talk about that. That is the essence. The reason God created comedy was because he knew that they were going to put Lawrence on a griddle. Right. And he was going to need some way to respond to that that was going to glorify God. And so that's what comedy does. It was kind of a joke, not not a joke joke, but it was sort of a bitter irony when he presented the widows and the orphans to the prefects yes. too. There yes. was an element He's, of his humor there. Him being the patron saint of comedy or of comedians is uh, is appropriate. Yeah. I, ag- I agree with the Catholic Church in that uh, denunciation. Yeah, we're not Catholic, but I do appreciate this. Is it denunciation or pronunciation uh, in their proclamation? I have no idea because let's again, just talk about weaning some more. I am not Catholic, <laughs> so I do not know. Uh, if you have if you have something that is causing you to suffer, the answer is to find a way to laugh at it. And I can't personally. I can't imagine being on top of a griddle and having my mind work that way. But it must have been from God. I mean, it must it must have been God that gave him that line. Because now it's on a t-shirt. I would be, is it? <laughs> well, she had this meme underneath that, that was like a grill. And then it just said, you better turn me over. I'm, I'm done, done on this, on this side. side. Tag St. Lawrence of Rome. Yeah. That actually would be a good phrase. I may adopt that phrase. You know, when you're having a particularly hard day, when you think you're really going through some stuff and you can just look to heaven and say, you should turn me over, Lord, because I'm done on this side. Right. Uh, Maybe it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Usually you recommend that you say that kind of stuff when you want to remind yourself it's not that bad. I do. My, my favorite thing. Seems a little dramatic. My favorite thing to say is uh, no one is suffered. No one has ever suffered as profoundly as I am suffering now, which is my way of basically saying, yeah, suck it up, buttercup, because it's not as bad as you are pretending. I don't have anything else. And you um, have to go and get our friends. Yeah, I have to go to Indianapolis and pick up the DeVivos. So um, so I'm going to dash. If you want to continue talking to Carl for a few minutes. Well, or, I started the theme song, but that doesn't mean that it won't play for another 10 minutes. Well, I can't hear it because remember, I'm wearing Elsa headphones. So can you hear it now? I can now. But uh, thanks, Carl. This was good. Uh, listen on Wednesday because we're going to talk to the DeVivos. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll be fun. And... Uh, also, go to the Fight Life Feast Conference, but you're probably going to put that in the pre-recorded announcement, aren't you? It's on the pre-recorded announcement, but you can email us at nextdoor at johnbraining.com. Nextdoor at johnbraining.com, and also turn me over. I'm done on this side. <laughs>
Thanks so much for visiting today, Carl. Join the Comedian's family at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference this September. More details at flfnetwork.com. We can't wait to meet all our new neighbors.